Good day to everyone and welcome back to the IVSA Kelantan Podcast Show. For our fifth episode today, we'll be talking about forensic veterinary medicine in paleontology with our guest speaker, Professor Dr. Ibrahim Abdul Aziz. Dr. Ibrahim obtained his Doctor of Veterinary Medicine degree from the University of Maiduguri in Nigeria, where he graduated par excellence. He was also awarded as the best graduating student in 2005. He later rejoined University of Maiduguri as an assistant lecturer in September 2006. Dr. Ibrahim also obtained his doctorate in veterinary forensic pathology from University Putra Malaysia UPM in 2011. In 2014, the University of Maiduguri appointed Dr. Ibrahim as the liaison of the intellect to Malaysia within which he is serving as an academic staff in the Faculty of Veterinary Medicine, University Malaysia Kelantan. Here, he is also an associate professor and the university's regional representative for Africa. Dr. Ibrahim is interested in veterinary-related discussions and futuristic learning. He is currently married with three children. Hello, doctor, and welcome. I'm very excited to be with uh, IVSA. In fact, uh, as part of the introduction, I was actually the pioneer secretary of uh, IVSA in University of Maiduguri in 2004. That was when we established it oh, in wow. uh, my university. So we were the pioneer. Yeah. Oh, okay. That's interesting, Dr. Okay, yeah, so to continue with this session, uh, in basic terms, paleontology is the study of fossils to classify organisms and their interactions with each other and their environments. Bearing that in mind, let's ask Dr. to take us through some questions we have regarding this topic. Can I pass okay. to my teammate, Jaya? Alright, good evening, doctor. Good evening, how are you? I'm good. Okay, so we will start off with some light questions, okay? Alright. Alright, for the first questions, uh, what is veterinary forensic medicine and how does it relate to paleontology? Alright, uh, thank you very much, uh, Jaya, for inviting me. It's an honor to be part of this IVSA program. Uh, I think uh, the program is quite uh, interesting and the topics you guys are sharing is uh, informative and uh, also educative. So it, it goes away from the didactic uh, learning process you guys uh, always go through in class to something much broader in veterinary perspective, so which is good. Kudos to you all. So coming back to your question, uh, you want me to relate uh, veterinary forensic pathology with uh, paleontology. So as you all know, uh, paleontology is about studying uh, fossils, which is basically uh, a study that helps in understanding the evolutionary stages that occur uh, in, the, in the life of animals uh, from uh, prehistoric ages onto our current state of uh, species. So from uh, the old dinosaur age until the Homo sapiens species, as well as the diversifications that we have. So uh, paleontology helps us in uh, understanding where this uh, got broken apart or fused together, where each species became differentiated across history and where they do, come, where do, do, do they come together uh, in the historical perspective. So that gives us uh, a broader view on uh, what kind of uh, animals we are dealing with, and that uh, gives us an understanding of our genetic profiling and uh, differences. So having said that, when you come to uh, forensic uh, veterinary medicine, it's a bit similar and a bit different. While 
paleontologist studies fossil to understand, basically you could say to understand evolutionary phases of uh, life. Forensic veterinary medicine is basically dealing with the courts of law. You are supposed to use uh, evidences from your knowledge of uh, veterinary medicine, all branches of veterinary medicine, including veterinary pathology, veterinary physiology, veterinary biochemistry, veterinary clinical pathology, whatever you've learned in veterinary medicine, we use it to substantiate evidences in the course of law. So meaning that whenever there is a case that is associated with uh, injuries to animals, suspected animal abuse, cruelty, so we try to create evidence from the knowledges we've gained of the, uh, of the animal to present in the court in a way that the judges or the jury will be able to understand and also prosecute the criminal that we have in mind, maybe the suspect that, uh, that, that we think might be responsible for the act, that act of criminality. So it is similar because in paleontology, you're using fossils to try to recreate history, to understand history. But in forensic medicine, you're using evidences, whether in live animal or dead animal, to create evidence. So that's the difference. In uh, paleontology, you're creating history, while in uh, forensic medicine, you're creating evidence that is admissible in the courts of law. So that's uh, the basic similarity and the basic difference in both uh, forensic medicine and uh, for, uh, paleontology. Have I answered your question? Is that okay? Yes, Dr. There was a very clear explanation on it. All right, thank you. All right, okay. So we'll move on to the next question. Um, since veterinary veterinarians, we, I mean, they routine, routinely diagnose and treat animals, right? So how is forensic veterinary medicine different from these routines when it comes to paleontology? All right. Uh, so your question was that, uh, we veterinarians uh, normally diagnose uh, diseases in uh, animals and uh, uh, based on our daily routine activities, how is it different from uh, uh, veterinarians in uh, paleontology? Okay, the basic difference is that while you're talking about fossils, it's basically things that have been hidden from us, things that we have no idea existed and we go searching for it. So in uh, veterinary uh, uh, practice, what we have is that usually we have the live animals in, 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 in our clinics or in our hospitals that we try to diagnose. So they come up with uh, clinical signs that we piece up together as pieces of puzzles to understand what's wrong with that animal. So we also use uh, some uh, tests to try to determine the cause of the condition of the animal. However, in contrast to uh, uh, paleontology, we basically are studying, in most cases, bones. We're studying, in most cases, bones of fossilized animals, meaning that these animals have been dead millions or billions of years ago. So we're trying to use those evidences to reconstruct the kind of life they have lived with the environment in a social group or individually. So uh, it, it's a bit different because while you're dealing with live animals in our routine practices as veterinary doctors, for paleontology, you're actually dealing with dead prehistoric animals. 
So which you will have to have a very deep understanding of the differences in species for you to be able to reconstruct or to remodel what the animal is supposed to look like, either hypothetically or theoretically. You should be able to recreate a closely perfect image of that animal. So in veterinary practice, our understanding of the normals of the normals of the animals we treat helps us in actually piecing together those fossils that we figure out when we go for paleontology. So, but uh, the major difference between these two is that you will need to get dirty when you're dealing with paleontology. You will need some sense of archaeology. So, uh, this, both of them, yes, you will need to uh, get dirty. In live animals, you have to handle the, 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 the feces, the urine, and everything. But in the dead animal, you have to handle the dust, the shaving, the cleaning, and everything for you to be able to pick up those bones. So those bones are actually evidences or uh, information that you'll extract based on the changes that have occurred over time in those bones or in those fossilized materials that you found. So our knowledge of veterinary medicine actually helps us in understanding what has happened to that animal over time. Thank you. I hope uh, you're clear with that. It's a bit lengthy. Yeah, we're clear with that, Doctor. We're All clear right, with thank that. Thank you. Okay. For the next question, uh, what do you think is the best discovery in this field so far? And how has it um, affected the veterinary field? Uh, thank you very much for that question. Uh, if I may repeat your, repeat your question, yeah, it is that uh, what is the uh, best discovery so far in uh, paleontology that has affected the veterinary profession? I think uh, so far so good. Uh, in my perspective, in, in, the daily, in the daily routines of uh, veterinary practice, there is no much, there is no much uh, input from paleontology in the way we practice veterinary medicine. Uh, you will agree that no veterinarian will think about what happened to what killed a dinosaur in order to relate it to what's going on with the, with the birds we have here, with the poultry birds or with the, with the wolves or with the dogs that we treat. Nobody thinks about that. However, it is, it is important for us to know that there are a few uh, points in time, especially Especially, I think, uh, if you're following the trends in paleontology, 2017 was the best year so far. 2017, that's uh, five years ago, is the best year so far for paleontology. Why? Because uh, they were able to discover the oldest living colony of bacteria. So that, for me, interests me a lot. The, meaning that they're, they're, they're called uh, uh, stromatolites. So these stromatolites were, able to, were preserved well enough in a place called Greenland for us to understand the evolutionary perspective of uh, animal species that we have now. So meaning that if they're able to study it, we can actually understand how diversified we are from that single cell uh, organism over time. How far have we deviated from that original bacteria? How close are we with it? I think for me, that's the best discovery so far that happened in 2017. Secondly, uh, in, in, in ranking, I'm also interested in the uh, Haraskaraptor. There is a, a duck-like dinosaur called the Haraskaraptor, which very, it's very similar to a duck, very similar. 
so if if you look in through into the history of that, it's interesting, meaning that when you see the ducks we have, you will be able to piece together the behavioral characteristics of these ducks and see how they've changed from that origin, from that original uh, fossilized uh, duck, duck dinosaur that we have. Then the third one, uh, which is actually, I want to believe that is the most interesting, is the identification or the finding of a complete hominoid, meaning that a standing ape uh, fossil in Ethiopia. That it was found, I think, in about uh, 1974. So that, that it, it's called Lucy. You should, you should Google it out. So you, you'd say that it's well fossilized, well preserved. If you get into a museum in Ethiopia, now you will find it. So that shows you that, yes, the evolutionary tree is actually uh, realistic. So whatever dimension of thoughts you might have about uh, evolution, yes, it explains a lot on how to understand where we've come from and where we possibly going to. So that's uh, the explanation we have. Uh, I hope uh, I did answer you. All right. Thank you, Doctor. All right. Thank you. And the last question for me is, um, how can a forensic veterinarian who works in paleontology, uh, he or she contribute to the veterinary field? All right. Uh, your question is, uh, how will the veterinarian uh, currently working with uh, the paleontology field or in the paleontology field assist in uh, uh, making uh, input, making some input in the field of veterinary medicine? Uh, the way you could do that is by Number one, you will, need to, you will need to have a very firm basis, firm basic understanding of veterinary medicine. It has to be very firm. You will need to know the diversification, diversification among species. You will need to know the different diseases that affect these uh, various species of animals that we handle, from wild to domestic to semi-domestic animals. And you will also need to understand, apart from infectious diseases or uh, metabolic condition, you also need to understand the hereditary or congenital conditions that when you're working with uh, uh, fossils, you should be able to, at the tip of a finger, identify that this is not normal. This is not normal. For example, if you go to, if you, if you find a fossil uh, of, a, of, of a fossilized bone of a dinosaur, for example, a T-Rex, that is broken. You should have that knowledge to know that this is possibly a fracture. And not just a fracture, the type of fracture will tell you what kind of force was used to break that bone. Is it a crushing force? Is it a biting force? Is it a, is, is it a, is it a what do you call, a, a, a hairline fracture? So what is it? So your understanding of the basics of veterinary medicine will help us understand what went on then. So while this understanding is good enough for veterinarians practicing paleontology, most importantly, it's in the area of emerging and re-emerging diseases. So if we are able to piece together what was the kind of, what were the kind of diseases that affected fossilized animals, prehistoric animals, we might be able to find out, for example, you all know about transmissible venereal tumor that was actually founded, found in, uh, in Tasmanian at uh, Devils. So it's a very long history. It has a very long history with different animals over time. It's still here with us, and we are unable to identify how to either prevent it. Yeah, cure, yes, we can cure it. But prevention is still, is still we were still wanting in that. So veterinarians can actually figure out how to, 
use the evidence from fossils from history to prevent what's going on, what's going to happen in the future, or what is going on now. Also, talk about, talk about uh, tuberculosis. Tuberculosis is a very old disease, very old infectious disease that you will be surprised how old it is till today. We are yet to figure out how to completely control it. So it's been there for long, and we're unable to control it. So veterinarians that are into paleontology can actually come up with basically uh, using molecular techniques to find out how this tuberculosis or how this uh, uh, diseases or infectious agents have changed over time what regions in their genetic makeup were preserved. That's why I told you that the first uh, stromatolite that was discovered is quite interesting. So we wanted to know uh, in that bacteria, how, does it, how, how similar is it to those infectious diseases we have now? Where have they gone apart? So the information we get from there, how can we use them to develop vaccines against the current infectious disease we have? How has that evolved into viruses, into protozoa? How have, how have, have they done that? So actually, it is interesting, although it is not a field that veterinarians do go to often paleontology because it doesn't uh, give the box, it doesn't give money. But uh, for academic purpose, it's an interesting field uh, veterinarians can get into to help in preventing emerging, reimagining, and transboundary diseases from, from getting information from uh, prehistoric animals. Thank you very much. I hope uh, that's uh, good enough for you. Yes, Doctor, that was very clear for me. All and right. for the remaining questions, I'll pass on to my teammate, Ashley. All right, Ash. Okay. Yeah. Doctor, you mentioned earlier that forensic medicine can actually help us reconstruct events that have happened in the past. So could you take us through this process just briefly? Yeah, uh, for forensic medicine, uh, basically the way we, we reconstruct uh, is, is a bit advanced now. Uh, when, we, when, we, when we try to reconstruct, number one, you have to investigate the scene. After you get the, the, the history, you receive a complaint from the client, maybe a complaint of animal abuse that may have resulted into death or into substantial injury to the animal. So you have to visit the scene. You visit the scene and then investigate. That's where the veterinary CSI comes in. So CSI, that's a crime scene investigation. So you need to investigate the time, the place, the condition, the, the scenario around there, try to figure out where there is evidence, food trucks, everything, whatever you can. So, But most importantly, you shouldn't disturb the scene, the crime scene. You should not disturb the crime scene. You should need to codone the area and take pictures. That's quite important. You have to be trained in the art of taking pictures and taking evidences. So uh, I need to mention here that the picture taking is actually the most important in that crime scene investigation because you could return that picture through a software, usually they call it a tri-top software, to reconstruct that area, that event, to reconstruct the animal, to reconstruct the timing and everything, and actually form a timeline through what has happened in that scene. So, aside that, you could also, when you come to the animal itself, investigating the, the uh, forensic evidences on the animal uh, uh, victim, Apart from photogrammetry, you also use uh, what we call multi-slice computerized tomography. 
So meaning that the the uh, CT will take images slice by slices over time, different slices of the body, and these slices will now be converted through an algorithm into 3D imaging. So which you can, you can actually peel off layer over layer over layer of the of the animal. So it helps us in uh, understanding the depth of injury, the type of injury, the type of material, the 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 strength of uh, impact, the the direction of impact. All of that is actually important. I'll give you an example. The first uh, reported uh, evidence using that was in I think uh, 2007 in Brunt, Switzerland. So uh, that happened when uh, there is a species of cat called the lynx that's been uh, banned from uh, hunting in Switzerland. So someone shot a lynx and then uh, claimed that he did not do it. So they had to reconstruct that, uh, take, uh, do, do an MSCT. Uh, they, they, they call it 3D photogrammetry, have a 3D photogrammetry, then do an MSCT to identify the type, the shape, and the dimension of the bullet that was used, they, and they got the registration number and traced it back to the owner of the gun in Switzerland. So that, that actually helps in reconstructing everything. Most importantly, you, you're not just going there to gather the evidence. You're going there to gather the evidence for you to be able to link it to someone that is a suspect in that crime. So when the, the evidence for that Lynx case was gathered, it was linked to the person that purchased that gun and then the bullet. So the case was solved in a classical CSI manner. So that's how you go through uh, reconstructing evidence using imaging, using uh, uh, software to construct the three-dimensional or even four-dimensional imaging. So uh, when you go to uh, paleontology, it's about the same thing. It's about the same thing, but most importantly in paleontology is that you will need to date it. You will need to form a time tree. You need to form, uh, de determine exactly when in history did that occur. So that's the difference. In forensics, you, you're dealing with maybe a short period of time, and then you're able to pick, uh, figure out who the suspect is. But in paleontology, you need to reconstruct it so that with the X-ray diffraction analysis, you'll be able to determine how long this fossil has been there, fossilized in the soil or in the water or wherever it is or in the ice. You, you, you'll be able to pick the picture of that out. I hope uh, that answers, answers your question. Yes, it does, Doctor. Aside from right, uh, the normal forensic procedures, we just there's the additional factor of dating in the fossils, right, Doctor? Yes. yes. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. So, how does uh, reconstruction of these events help us in understanding current animal issues, and can we make inferences about modern animal behaviors based on the events that we have constructed from fossils? Uh, from uh, fossils, uh, what you your question is. Uh, uh, what, from our understanding of uh, fossilized animal uh, materials, how can we relate it to the current uh, animal uh, behaviors or what we understand about animals now? So what we know is that uh, most behaviors of animals, as they, uh, for example, their social behavior, we, we, we've, been, we've been able to trace them back to prehistoric ages. Uh, for example, most hunting animals, they hunt in groups. And then, for example, you all remember the T-Rex, quite intelligent. And then uh, it, it, it's 
some of those genetic materials, some of those characteristics have been passed down across generations towards the carnivorous animals that we still have today. So, for example, the wolf, they still, they still uh, hunt in pack. The lions, they still hunt in pack. So the same characteristic we do have in those uh, prehistoric ages are still there in these animals, conserved or conserved in some of the some of the traits they have. So it it has given us an understanding on how these animals behave. Apart from behavior, it also gave us understanding on what has been the changes in the morphometry of these animals over time. Definitely, you have not many animals that look like a T-Rex now. No, not, not many animals look like that. And definitely, you don't have dragons, definitely. So, however, there are animals that have the characteristics, the traits of those uh, T-Rex or raptors that are still there. So, using those uh, fossilized uh, information or data, we can now construct to see how different these animals have gone, how far away from the origin have they been. So with that, it helps us understand the current behavior they are. And with the current behavior that we and these animals have, we can actually predict or hypothesize what was the behavior of the prehistoric animals as well. So it's a, it's a, it's a two-way bridge. So one goes into the future and the other goes into the past. So the animals we have now gives us information about the past, how their, their ancestors behaved. And then the fossils we have will now give us information about how these animals behave now. You get that. And then also, when you talk about uh, uh, the bones we've seen, we also see that the type of injuries that have uh, been affecting the fossilized materials over time, they're quite consistent to this day. For example, osteoarthritis. Osteoarthritis has been there for a long time. It's still there now. So maybe we have evidence from those prehistoric ages to understand the progression or the genetic makeup of some of the arthritis cases that has been bedeviling us or has been of a challenge to us. So we can use information from there to figure out how to handle this uh, osteoarthritis that we do have now. So I hope uh, that answers your question. Uh, yes, it does, Doctor. And I have one last question. I think it relates a little bit to the previous question. So, right. as we all know, phylogenetic trees play a large part in our fields, especially in terms of understanding evolutionary relationships between different mm -hmm. organisms. So, how does forensic veterinary medicine aid in constructing a phylogenetic tree based on the information that we can gather from fossils? Uh, actually, for as I said earlier, uh, forensic veterinary medicine will not necessarily generate a phylogenetic tree for fossilized animals. The, the phylogenetic tree is basically for paleontologists. Forensics will deal with, will deal with the courts of law. Uh, I hope you get that. It, the, we, we will deal with the courts of law, providing evidence to that court for us to be able to prosecute a suspect. So if you want to develop a, uh, uh, a phylogenetic tree, so you need to go, we have something called the, 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 the time tree. The time tree lab, meaning that as we've been saying earlier, we keep on mentioning it arbitrarily, meaning that at some point in time, where do these animals differ from each other genetically? So genetically, that has been expressed either I mean, uh, phenotypically or genetically. 
So that expression, that differences, is what we look for in the time tree lab. So at what point in history do, does this feature, for example, the 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 the, the, the tail that or, or that was present in the Harasco uh, Harasco sorry, uh, the the, the duck like uh, bird, the tail that was there. How, at what point in time did it go away? At what point in time? At what point in time that we did we lose the features of the of the humanoid behavior that was there before? At what point in time did we do that? So we need to find out using uh, genetic analysis, phylogenetic analysis, to reconstruct that. So the advantage of uh, forensic veterinary medicine is that you will have a basic knowledge of how to use phylogenetic tree. So that basic knowledge of uh, phylogenetic tree can be applied both to forensic veterinary medicine as well as paleontology. So meaning that if you're able to understand where the genetic diversity or similarity occurs, you'll be able to picture out when did something occur in prehistoric times. So that's basically the, the uh, main uh, similarities or dissimilarities. Okay, thank you. All right, doctor, thank you. So I'll pass the floor to Jaya to wrap up our session tonight. Okay. Okay, thank you, Ashley. And thank you, doctor. And that is all, folks, for our fifth podcast episode. It was an interesting topic we had today, and I'm pretty sure that most of us uh, are really new to forensic veterinary medicine in paleontology. So to conclude from our podcast session today, Forensic veterinary medicine in paleontology has given a huge impact in veterinary field as it gives us understanding on the evolutionary relationship between, uh, I mean, among different species of organism. And it also helps to analyze all these information that we have gotten from the core. Thank you so much, Dr. Ibrahim, for taking the time. It's, it's, it's been a pleasure. It's been a pleasure. I hope uh, you guys did uh, get me. Uh, and I hope uh, it was clear enough for you to build upon. It, uh, the podcast is about you reading more when you get back. So it's to generate ideas and then help you trigger a learning process. Thank you. All right. Thank, you. thank you. And as for our listeners, thank you so much for tuning in on our podcast session today. And once again, thank you so much to the whole team. Have a good day, everyone, and stay safe. All right. Thank you. Thank you okay. so much, Doctor. All right.